Showtime, a-holes. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Nerdstocking. I'm Bill, and with me today is Chad. I am Groot. I agree with you. I am looking very handsome today. <laughs> As Chad has um, let us know, we're going to be uh, talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. There will be spoilers, but... Uh, there will be many spoilers. Yeah, there will be a lot of spoilers, but... Uh, so, uh, before we get into Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, I'd... Uh, like to go over some nerdly news stuff that we are anticipating coming up or stuff that we've seen and uh, last episode i was talking about the new series of shows of mystery science theater 3000 the funny thing is um in the opening like five minutes of the show like they know their audience they they really uh, uh throw a bone to the uh, tv science fiction geeks because in that first five minutes so they have will wheaton and aaron gray in a in a bit Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's like two crush and Aaron Gray. Yeah, so two science fiction icons. Maybe not Wesley Crusher so much, but he's become you know infamous, I guess. Well, say. he's kind of a face though of of pop of yeah. nerd culture. Yeah, actually. that's true. You that's know? true. So it's him and Aaron Gray, and Aaron Gray still looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I don't think she could put on a spandex blue spandex, yeah, spacesuit or uh, yeah, jumper jumpsuit or whatever yeah, jumpsuit that she wore. <laughs> that was uh, like you said. That was every kid's first crush who yeah. grew up in the 80s. I have a scrapbook in my basement. It's like a, this. Remember those duo tangs with a little clamp that you had to <laughs> swing the arm and it clamped down? I have one of those. Which are worthless. The papers would just fall out. Well, yeah. But these ones, they're still in there from the from the 70s. Yeah. But it's like, it has like all the things that I liked at that particular time. And there's like, you know, Aaron Gray and... Yeah. And Bruno Gerussi from the Beachcombers <laughs> and Renee Simard oh and Christy I was, McNichol. I was more of a relic guy, I think, Beachcombers. <laughs> I guess they just didn't, you know, the pic- I was cutting pictures under like TV guides. So it's like right. pictures of relic is like, what is that? Is that the Sphinx in, the, in black and white? And <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, she was definitely uh, every kid's first fantasy. Well, recently on Comic Book Men, they had... Uh, Lindsay Wagner, okay. do a walk by another she, one, yeah. you know, and she looks the same. Yeah, you know, like she is bionic. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you replace the parts, <laughs> metal it never ages. Um, yeah, so it's a really good show. I'm enjoying it. Uh, had a, we had a bunch of trailers that came out between uh, last episode and this one, and uh, maybe the, probably the biggest one is the Last Jedi trailer. Is that the biggest one? Well, I think the last Wonder argu- Woman trailer was like it's arguable. Again, yeah. the last Wonder Woman trailer holds up against most films now. Yeah, there's a new TV one which is just a mishmash of everything that was in the other ones. I don't think there's anything new in it. It's her kicking again with a dress. Yeah, yeah. How do yeah. you fight with this? Except she rips the dress in this one, right? Oh, does she? Yeah, no, it's very she, quick. She kicks her foot up and she hears this rip. Oh yeah, and the girl goes woo yeah. like that British girl. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It's going to be, I, you know, oh, yeah. I can't wait for that one. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be great. I mean, just looking at it, tonally, it's really good. And it looks like we're getting a glimpse of what the, the scope of the story is going to be. And, yeah. you know, they're doing it right. They're not going to get, yeah. it's not going to cross galaxies. It's not going to, like, get too far-fetched. Yeah. And it's not going to use the supernatural. It's like... Yeah. yeah, they center it really well, where ev- so far every trailer, there's a war going on and and... Wonder uh, Diana Prince or whatever her, what whatever her name is uh, on the island, 
It's Wonder Woman, and they t- they call her Diana Prince. I think her name is Wonder Woman, and it translates to Diana Prince. No, no. In the, in the trailer, they allude that he he gives her the he name. names her. Yeah, she's but Diana. She's got to have some name on no, the Diana. Island. She's the huntress from okay. Greek mythology. Oh, that's right, Diana, Diana. Princess of something. She's going yeah, to say, and he goes, right. Diana Prince. Yeah, yeah. Prince. That's a ticket. Yeah, yeah. And this is my present wife, uh, Margaret Fairchild. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's a ticket. Um, we need more John Lovitz in this uh, podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. So the the focus is. There's a war going on, you know, the machinations of mankind, you know, having this huge war and Wonder Woman getting dragged into it and like thinking like she's going to protect the world. So the the thing I'll say about Wonder Woman is that, you know, I think that the thing that they're going to nail and they're going to nail it before Marvel does with Captain Marvel is they're going to provide a female role model who is truly awesome. Right. You know, because she seems to be, in the trailers anyway, she's moving at, at the, the pace in which she moves. Yes. And all things that happen, she deals with as she would deal with it. Right. You know, she's not relying on anybody else to propel her story. Right. And in the same way that she defends him in the alleyway. Yeah, I was going to say. Which was reminiscent of yeah. the first Superman film. Okay. Right. Where well, he, he saves her from the helicopter. What does she do? No, not the helicopter. The... Um, in the first Superman film, in the alleyway, the the, the greatest scene in, of of the the first Superman oh, film when they're in the laneway, right? And and he catches the bullets, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. And so yeah. now Wonder Woman has defended Steve, right. whatever, right, by defending him against. Right, him. that's funny. That's uh, interesting. That's familiar. It's a very. Uh, I wonder if they did that on purpose. My, I would guess they did. It's just showing reversing the roles. Yeah. This is where they're going to go, and that's what I like. I like that they're. Like you said, that scene where the bad guys are attacking him and he valiantly says, stand back to Wonder Woman, and then she ends up saving him, right? It's just reversing those roles. He says, or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> or not. But uh, I like that. You know, it's it's a it's a touchy subject these days. You know, you can't have any uh, women in distress or whatever, right? Like, you can, there's a, 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 a Don't even start about King Kong, please. Exactly. But... Uh, in this, yeah, I like the tone they're taking with that, where they're they're twisting that, only not in a preachy way, not in a uh, ham-fisted way. They're doing a good job. Well, and that. he doesn't look like he's the uh, he's the, not a the buffoon. guy in distress. Yeah, he's right? not a buffoon. No, he's not like, making him a dope. Exactly, he's like I would normally do this, but and he's receptive to her. Yeah. Whereas they didn't go with like a a, a sort of more macho guy who right. was like, oh, no woman's gonna defend me. Right. Like they yeah. made it, and they made it seem still real, yeah. uh, real in that yeah. time. They've probably time. got a mission to do, right? And however it's done, you have to have a successful mission. So if Wonder Woman can do the stuff that she does and help mis- make the mission successful, whatever that mission is, we don't know that. That's a good thing. That's probably the way they're looking at it. Whatever. Yeah. Not, I'm gonna be a macho man and, and put everybody in danger because I'm feeling put upon. That's right. Yeah. Oh, you're making me feel small. We yeah. don't have that. Well, I'll do crazy things that's going to cause more danger. I don't think it's they're going in that way. Now, speaking of strong women, there's there's Star Wars. Yeah. So the last Jedi trailer, I know it's pretty vague. Again, it's not they're not giving you a lot of information, but you do finally get to hear Luke speak instead of just standing pensively on an island, silent. You know, the last Jedi trailer didn't it didn't really do it for me. Yeah. It was kind of like we just rushing to get something out. But yeah. they weren't building suspense. We saw Luke at the end of the film, yeah. so him in a cave with a a, a VO doesn't 
Yeah. Doesn't do it. It's so funny that the the big thing is he talks. Oh my gosh, he's talking. We hear him talk now because he only stood there silently in the in the at the end of Force Awakens. That's right. But now Mark he's talking. Loves to talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They do put forth what his attitude will probably be in this is that he wants to disband the Jedi's and get rid of it. Even well, though, that's what they're trying to. Even though that. that will throw, and even she says, "I see light." And I see darkness, and it's a balance. And mm-hmm. of course, that's Star Wars through and through—is this balance between the forces of light and the forces of darkness? So they deal with that in a in a vague kind of way. They're they're dealing, they're showing us that they're concerned with the themes of Star Wars, which is a good thing, right? You know what I mean? Dark and light. Yeah. The you know the dark side and the Jedi. But it's like they they try to make it vague. seem like he's trying to kill it. Yeah. But. It also could be this is going to be a suicide mission. You know, this is going to be the end because I'm probably going to fall like like Obi Wan fell, right? Or Han. You know, mm. you know. As an aside about Han, yeah, we've been no, talking. We've no been handrails. We've been talking about. <laughs> I was talking with my kids about, uh, you know, the Force Awakens, and the more I think about the death of Han Solo, the more it kind of pisses me off. Yeah, well, it, you said that in the last episode. It really is a. It really is a cop out. And so the setup for this, where it's like, okay, well, Han's going to die in the first one. Uh, Leia's going to die in the second one. Yeah. And Luke's going to die in the third one. And the three fucking spirits are going to be sitting there on the on the tree branch. <laughs> like, it's kind of... They're going to be ha- sitting there like the construction workers on the girder up in... The yeah, exactly. The Empire State Building. Yeah, exactly. Well, they should have just, you know, maybe they should have just gone the real one, right, way. And just had all three of them die at the end of the film. Everybody dies, and the next movie is a whole new cast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Be a little shocking, but... Uh, uh, the last thing I, I'd like to add... Yes. ...about uh, the trailer. Like, I, I do like the visuals. We love the, the X-Wings flying across land, kicking up the, ye- the red dust. And- What's that thing? The, it looks like almost like a pod with the thing that hangs down and drags. That doesn't seem like it's aerodynamic. Talking about my penis? Oh. <laughs> no, that's me. Oh, no. On the, in the trailer... There's a ship. Ships come flying in, like you said. They come flying in, and there's a thing that goes down that digs through the red dirt. I didn't know if that was just air or... I think it's a thing hanging down that's digging into it. Yeah. And they're kicking up the red dust. It looks cool. It looks cool. Uh, But, you know, the one, the only indicator is that you see her hand on a rock, and you see all the little pebbles rise. Which reminded me of... uh, Yoda. uh, Well, it reminded me of Batman versus Superman. Oh, yeah. the, The levitating soil. In this, let's let's in not the, sh- the shocking death of Superman that just the world reeled over that. I can't believe Superman is dead. It just reeled, you know. There's headlines everywhere, everywhere. Remember, All over Suicide Squad. Remember, you know, T-shirts. Remember him. They're gonna build a giant building, erected to to the, his his likeness and his glory. Yeah. And then in the next film, they're gonna spend 45 minutes smashing it and everything else again. Right. Sorry, but you were saying. It was just the floating rocks. It reminds me of, yeah. of Luke with Dagobah. And, but right. she's, she's clearly way more powerful than all of them, right? Right. They're kind of leading that perhaps she's the last Jedi. Right. right. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, they alluded, we, we figured that in the, you know, after seeing the first one, but it was like she's connected in a way that maybe nobody else has been. Right. You know? Yeah. And maybe because she doesn't really have, she doesn't really have malice, but she also was so determined to. And and was forced into a position to always protect herself. Right. You know, she was alone. Yeah. She Luke had a, the support. She wasn't a pampered farm boy with yeah. the aunt and uncle. With with a last name that doesn't make sense. Yeah. 
and uh and and vader was you know he had all of his issues too right so much torture and turmoil that yeah. led up to his end but her she was she always was an optimist waiting for this family to come that was never she was that the the sheepdog in the warner brothers cartoon waiting for the his trusted master to walk down the street right. and he grabs grab him by the shirt collars and say right. where have you been right yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah so maybe she's the golden child she's the yeah you know well like i said they kind of peg her they kind of make her a mary sue not peg her peg her peg! <laughs> <laughs> they uh they make her a mary sue where she can fly the millennium falcon and she can use a lightsaber and She's got skills that don't make a lot of sense, but she doesn't need. Um, she's got the shirt force. sleeves that cover her shoulders. Exactly. No matter what, even when she changes, she's still wearing that style of shirt. Really? Yeah. That's funny. So uh, moving on, we've got uh, the um, uh, Logan is coming out. We did a video on that. If you want to check out our YouTube channel we did a video on our thoughts on logan it, it might actually be the greatest film review ever put to <clears throat> yeah exactly well the funny thing is having seen guardians of the galaxy volume two um that's a great film but it's you know people on, on the internet now they're all like what's the greatest what's going to be the greatest superhero film in 2017 and uh logan is a good Logan takes a good run at it, right? It's a really great film in a different way. Like there, there is some comedy in it, but you know, not nearly as much it's as much, Guardians of the drama, Galaxy. Though, right? But it is a, it works so much, so well as a, I'd say more of a real movie, right? Although they're both, they're different. They have different goals, each of those movies, right? There's something very uh, indie about the Logan film. Yeah. You know, something yeah. that doesn't have the big production values, right. doesn't have all the glitz and glam, yeah. and has it kind of a really, you know, chilled pace. Yeah. But what's funny is both of them are character films, are you know, character-driven films, yeah. right? But on different in different ways, in, with a different attitude. But uh, Logan is great. It's yeah. a great film to watch. It's a great movie uh, as a real movie, right? Yeah, see, without getting into the competition between what's going to be the best super, I, I, with those two films, I think that they both hold their own as different kinds yeah. of movies, yeah. just straight up different. Yeah, definitely. Um, but what's funny is one thing I noticed is that uh, with this uh, Blu-ray release that's coming up of Logan, they're it's gonna they're gonna have a noir version, which is black and white. Oh, really? Did you know that? No. So I could see it in black and white. Though. Yeah, originally, that's what. Uh, What's his face? Uh, Mangold. Uh, that's what he wanted to do was shoot it all black and white. And the studio, of course, said, They're like, "Are you kidding?" No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, but in the Blu-ray release, there will be a black and white version the way he wanted it to be. You know, I can totally see it. Yeah, I still probably wouldn't watch it. Yeah. I'd watch part of it, but yeah. that's yeah. a difference between Logan and among many differences between that and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two is that Guardians of the Galaxy did a great job with color oh yeah right but uh logan like you said it could easily be black and white because it's very desaturated well, it's kind of you right? know not in black and white but it reminds me of the hitcher you know more like a film like that where there's this very small cast right very low you talking uh Rutger Hauer. Rutger Hauer and what's his face the kid yeah see everything Howell. yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> it was a great movie that I was a great great movie the 
the hitcher. hitcher. Yeah, hitcher. the hitcher. Yeah, the hitcher. You're right. Yeah. I just remember the girl, and she's tied up between the two trucks. And yeah. she's uh, whatever you call that disemboweled. It was the, it was the probably the best <laughs> film that Rutger Hauer ever did. Well, did you coming ever see off of Blade a, Runner? Right. Well, did you ever see a Hobo with a Shotgun? Yeah. <laughs> you know, then there was like. You know, he back in those days he he had done some good films like Wanted Dead or Alive was a great film. That yeah. was that was very much the Punisher story without being the Punisher. Right. And then they threw the Punisher at what's his face there? Um Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren, which was horrible, yeah. right? Yeah. But Wanted Dead or Alive could have been the Punisher film. They probably intended it to be the Punisher film and then didn't couldn't get yeah. the license. Or, or probably um uh Rutger Hauer went up for the Punisher and didn't get it. He was like, Fuck it, I'll make my own Punisher. Yeah. And it was a way better film because he, you know, I remember being a kid and thinking, "Yeah, I want, I want a van and I want to drive it into my apartment," you know, and it's, <laughs> as he did, and I want guns all over the walls, and you know, it was so cool. Yeah, total man cave. Yeah, exactly. Without being Batman. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. You know, they did that. They're doing that with, uh, or I guess they did do that with Mad Max. Mad Max has a black and white version. Oh, really? Yeah, on the deep, the, on the, the first one. Uh, Fury Road. Oh, the new one. Yeah. Wow. So there's a black and white version on that too. You know, see that would come across more like um, a Russ Myers film, like maybe early early uh, Russ Myers, yeah. like a Faster Pussycat yeah. Kill Kill or something yeah, exactly. like that. Exactly. Right? Yeah, that's true. That's um, funny. Not like the good Russ Myers films, like Super Vixen. <laughs> but yeah, that's interesting. I thought that was cool. That'd be good to pick up. I'll be definitely picking up Logan because it's like you're saying, it's one of the best films uh, of the year for sure, and one of the best. Uh, superhero films ever made um also coming out was the second trailer for it which uh did you see that i didn't yeah it shows uh it's shows more of the interaction between the losers club which is the group of kids that are going up against uh, it and pennywise and they see them they're kind of joking around and their kids being kids and like you know giving each other a hard time and they go into the sewers and there's some spooky shit that happens um, do you like it better? Uh, you know what? I one thing about it is because I'm always my my bugaboo with it is that Pennywise is just they made him this creepy fucking, you know. As soon as you see him, you run in the scary, other direction. Scary, scary, scary. Not character just scary, right? Initially, but the- twisted and bizarre, and just there's no way you'd ever go near this thing if you saw him. But in the this trailer, they make it a little different because he's standing there and he's got I don't know big fuck a weird pyramid of balloons of red balloons, which is kind of his trademark. He's got red balloons, and uh, when the balloon lifts up and you see his face, he looks a little puzzled. So they I can see they're giving a um, a sign that maybe he's not just going to be <laughs> whenever you see him. Like they're gonna he looks hey, he's got he's got a different he's got different. Uh, facial expressions than just a leering you know maniac so it gave me felt even though again we're picking you know half seconds out of trailers but just that look on his face made me feel a little better that they're gonna he's gonna be um playful and maybe that's how he lures the kids in right uh i know that you hate to talk about stephen king yeah exactly i but, o- you know- only did a whole episode on it <laughs> i forget which one that is but- and a video yeah, Pennywise. Exactly. Yeah, uh, but uh, Dark Tower trailer came out. Yeah, yeah, that's on my list. And what do you think? Is it? Uh, you, do you love it? Yeah, the thing I like about it is they show the gunslinger uh, and his skills, right? Because that's one thing you uh, that Stephen King writes about in that Dark Tower series is the gunslinger is like a knight. 
yeah in that realm in that uh that place that they say that the world has moved on it's in like a version of earth some alternate reality yeah an alternate version of earth and they're like knights that are super talented so you see him flicking the bullets up and they're landing in his gun and then he's shooting and he just the one oh i know it was such a great scene yeah he just goes click click and he moves the guns and picks the bullets out of the air but one thing he does where the bullets are on his uh on his waist whatever they call that a, not belt. a, a band yeah a <laughs> bullet belt is he just drags the guns across it and loads and then he's also super loading it that's all i don't know if it's specifically from the book but the book really alludes to that that he's got a kind of a supernatural uh way with guns like he's one with his gun was it a book it was a series of books i know there's a comic book the dark tower is seven novels okay because and then they were turned into comic books yeah i wonder if the film is taken from the comic book i haven't read those comics I, i mean i look at the collection and they're like hundred bucks yeah like i have uh, <laughs> back when it first came out i think i have a preview of it oh, okay but it's like uh i as a you know without knowing anything about this sort of alternate reality and yep. this alternate story yep. i found that the trailer was extremely efficient right at explaining to me all the things i need to know about this right. film and i wasn't yeah. led to believe that it was a western and I wasn't led to believe it was this or that. It was like, yeah. here's exactly what it is. There's it, some modern parts, too, where they go to New York. Yeah, but, right. it, but it, you know, in the trailer, they explain exactly what the gunslingers are, yep. about the something about the Dark Tower, <laughs> about the going into the, the present day, yeah. you know, and all of these elements tell me that this yeah. is not your regular film. Yeah, you're setting up, they're setting up the story. Yeah, right? so if you like Westerns, or if you don't like Westerns, don't you, worry. Don't worry, because this yeah. isn't a Western, you right. know? I thought that it was a... Yeah. Pretty incredible with a yeah. story arc where you, when you have to change a new kind of mythology yeah. or offer up a new mythology. Right. Sometimes, like when you, if, I don't know what the trailers for the um, uh, the Golden Compass were like, but you know Philip Pullman had created a completely new world. Yep. And you know, summarize that world in a two minute yeah. trailer. It's well, impossible. it's interesting because the Dark Tower is King's Lord of the Rings, right? It's his Tolkien moment. Is building this whole mythology and world. And the the world actually seeps into different other books, like uh, The Stand has an element of, uh, or at least uh, retro, you know, after the fact, The Dark Tower kind of alludes to The Stand and other Stephen King books, right? It, well, like Stephen King like loves a, to it's do. Like, it's like a cinematic universe or novelatic universe or whatever that King's making. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, the only thing I found lacking in the trailer is they... They don't really deal with the villain very well. Uh, the man in black, who's played by Matthew McConaughey, and he doesn't really—he's not in the book. In the series of novels, it's interesting because he's very charismatic. He's kind of a joker. He's not quite Loki, Loki-ish, but he's giving the gunslinger a hard time. And uh, here, I don't know. Matthew McConaughey is hardly in the trailer. He's just spouting lines. He doesn't really seem all that menacing. He's like, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> but don't you, I, th- yeah. I found though that they still, you know, they summed him up. They, he's worse than the devil. You <laughs> yeah. know? Well, it's a thing where they say, they say a lot of stuff. He's, they say this, but then you have to see him do bad shit. Yeah, I, you know, and they don't really even allude to it in it. I got to the fact, I got the, the impression that he was, you know, extremely badass yeah i guess they can't maybe they can't make him seem too godlike because then what's a gunslinger gonna do right you know like right yeah i don't know like 
it looks pretty great. No, it does look really good. I like the visuals of it. Idris Elba is a great presence. He's a great choice for the gunslinger. I'd like to, you know, it's nice to see. Um, as I feel like I, we're over, we're inundated now by this this genre. Yep. It's nice to have new movies to look forward to. Yeah. Well, this is like I said, it's going to be a great year. It's an amazing year for. Well, film. I can't wait to see Chips. Oh yeah, Chips looks great. great. Yeah, what a classic. You know, and right it's our it's our rated. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was just hearing that. Uh, did you hear that? Um, they're making a new Hellboy. And it's yeah, going to be right. R-rated. They're reinventing it. Too, yeah, they need to reinvent They're it. They're making it dark. The first one I enjoyed was kind of eh. And the, whatever that second one was, the army, Golden Army or something like that. Fucking. Golden Shower? Was it? Golden <laughs> Shower. Yeah, exactly. It's a uh, pig. It's uh wasn't uh wasn't very good. Wasn't a very good film. No, completely the second one was completely forgettable. The yeah. first one was uh, it was like it was okay except uh the highlight for me was uh Selma Blair. Yeah. You know, she's yeah. great. I liked her. I like her in, you know, most things. Yeah. But at least back then anyway. Yeah, and the effects they did for Abe Sapien was really good. He looked really good, kind of weird. Is it the fish Fishy guy? guy. Yeah. And that was uh, the brother Niles from uh, yeah, Fraser. Yeah, right? with a great voice. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, good. So, yeah, I think this is a good... It's good that Deadpool has opened up this uh, avenue now you can go down, right? Where you can get stuff like Hellboy, which really should be R-rated, right? I mean, it's Hellboy. <laughs> you think it would be pretty intense and, you know... Uh, and it's good that now they can do that. There's a, an opening there. You know, with the success of Deadpool, it's proven that you can do that kind of stuff. And Thanks. I think it serves these things well. And Logan is another example, right? Thanks to all the peg news, you know. Peg! <laughs> this is an opening. <laughs> and uh, they did um, uh, another upcoming release is, of course, uh, Alien Covenant. And they did this weird thing where they uh, released a prologue to the film as a kind of a short film, right? It's not really a trailer because I don't think it deals with stuff that happens in the movie itself, but they've shown what happened uh, after the end of Prometheus where um, David and Dr. Shaw, they go off to find the alien planet and they kind of show a little bit of what they did. So I saw that they did a mini movie on the birthing or something of the face hugger. Oh, really? Or something. It was a little short film. I didn't watch that either. Huh. Like, I'm All the alien stuff has left me so cold. <laughs> it's like I I couldn't... N everything that comes out makes me want to see it less. Right. Like, well, that's a question I was going to ask you is uh, if you wanted to see it, but I guess not. Well, I'll, I'll go see it. <laughs> I feel obligated. I don't know. Maybe we'll look for it on... Otherwise, <laughs> it'll be another podcast where you'll be like, we're going to talk about Alien Covenant, and I'll be like... Silence. It'll be another Star Trek, Star Trek episode. I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, I don't know. I'm. I'm just like we again. You said uh, Stephen King. We did a. I did a whole episode on it. I made us do a whole episode on the Alien franchise. That's right. And I liked that a lot. And Prometheus. I had a lot of problems with it. The characters are idiots. But uh, I like that mythos. I'm. I'm really in love with the mythos of a, a race. Uh, of, of beings that seeded life in the galaxy and then they made these aliens to kind of get rid of the stuff they didn't like. And I, I like that whole the whole mythology of alien, the alien films I like. So I, 
you know, I'd kind of like to keep continuing it. Well, there's going to be like now what he's making like 25 alien films. <laughs> then Cameron is doing 25 avatar films. Yeah. Neil Blomkamp has a, uh, has a, a script, I think for alien, uh, what would that be? Five? Like to deal, to deal with Ripley and, right. her, and her story. Right. So the guy who did uh, Chappie and uh, District Nine, Neil Blomkamp, oh, yeah, yeah. he's uh, he's real gung ho for doing another Aliens with. Curious to see what he did with it. He would do with it. Yeah, well, it looks really interesting. Uh, with Ripley and somehow uh, Hicks will come back. But then, who's going to do uh, Alien versus Predator versus <laughs> exactly. Avatar, Superman, Batman, and Superman? <laughs> Martha. Martha. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I agree with you. Like, Ridley Scott has gotten, I don't know, to me, he's getting really, um, you know, obnoxious, right? It's like, oh, it's so full of himself. and Like, make a fucking movie people want to watch. Did you see the trailer like, for Blade Runner? That Well, that was my next point. Okay. It was that it's kind of like, you know, I have this personal thing, personal love in film. I love I love uh, films that are lonely. Okay. Right. I loved one hour photo photo with Robin Williams. Oh, right. There's a great film called uh, Baghdad Cafe from yep. the late eighties. Yep. I love this kind of sort of haunting loneliness if right. it's in the right kind of context. So you like the apocalyptic film where you like that oh, you like, like boy that, and his dog. You like that Twilight Zone episode with Burgess Meredith. Yeah. By himself. But at the same time, some films like the Alien franchise and um especially Blade Runner yep. missed the mark for me. Okay. They're just bleak. They're not right. so lonely, you right. know. And the bleakness I don't like. Right. So it's like I like that. I guess you know, like everybody, I live in my head. So I I identify with that quality, like in One Hour Photo or you know these kind of films that have this lonely feel to them. Right. But films that are just bleak bore the shit out of me. Which right. Blade Runner was so boring, and now looking at this new one, yeah. it's kind of like. Okay, so they they brought in uh, uh, Ryan Gosling. Yep. Clearly, Harrison Ford is in it, and he's in it at, at his current age. So, yep. my guess is he's the, the who we see as the archetype for the robot. Right. If maybe that's the way they're going. Yeah. Right. Maybe. Yep. And uh, maybe they, you know, cloned him at different times, and maybe Ryan Gosling is a, a younger version of himself, and they're going to sit in a room and not talk. But, you know, yeah. or Harrison yeah. Ford's going to be really animated. Hey, come on in. Pull up a chair. You want a tequila sunrise? <laughs> and, uh, but it's like, I don't know. It, I'll watch it in mm -hmm. hopes. But I've now, I don't know how many times I've watched Blade Runner. So many times. And keep I keep hoping because I know everybody loves it. I know you love it. Mm -hmm. So many people love this film. And I saw yeah. it when it hit the theaters the first time around. And I just, I don't know. There's something about it just bores me yeah you know what's funny when i look at it blade runner and it's time 81 82 when it came out and it, the visuals really carried it oh yeah and this but there's not really any story and i don't that can't get you anywhere these days right because we can't be odd and you know by that view of los angeles with the flames coming up and the spinner cars like you said on a forklift yeah. <laughs> um but you can't you can't sell that to us anymore we won't buy that no. because great visuals are a dime a dozen that's right? right and that's what really carried blade runner in the but as far as plot and story it's like it's like a kind of a cheesy um you know gumshoe who done it 
a whodunit. Yeah. See, like, noir, like a film noir, right? But, you know, it has so many things that hit it so well. Like, because at this, around the same time, a film I love is Escape from New York. Yeah. Right? And Escape from New York has some of the same qualities that true. a lot of Blade Runner has, yeah. except. It's fun. It knows how to have fun, right? It checks every box for me, <laughs> yeah. and Blade Runner doesn't. Yeah. And even, even Daryl Hannah in the, you know, in the little the bodysuit doing yeah. the flips, that's awesome. I love that scene. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, the elements of when a, one of these, these, uh, clone things die and they, they flip around and undulate and whatever, yeah. like yeah. it's very passionate and it's exciting, yeah. you know, but it's still so morose Yeah, and well, even the robots, it's like even a robot can cry. Yeah. Well, what's funny is like, we're just talking about Rucker Hauer. He's great in that film, and he really is a, a linchpin to that film. Oh yeah! Right up, and at the at the end, of course, the story is which we've seen in every you know other Star Trek episode, is that the robot is more human than the human. Yeah. Right. He's because his life is so short because he's an outsider. He's looking in. He can see much more profoundly what the human condition is. Yeah, they're they're Pinocchios, right? Yeah, and they yeah, want to exactly. live. That's right. And it's like. Yeah. You know, imagine if we'd seen Pinocchio say, "But, but I just, I just want to live. I yeah. want to, I don't want to die, <laughs> Geppetto. Yeah. Don't put the pillow over my head." <laughs> exactly. You don't know, chop me up and, and put me and in the I fire. And I like those elements, but the yeah. fact is, is that Harrison Ford was the star, and all of the scenes with him are the ones I don't like. Right. And it's like, and what's who's the woman? Um, who's who's the woman with the forties hairdo? Uh. What in the original Blade Runner? Yeah, yeah. There's uh, the. You mean the girl with the snake? No, oh no, no. It's no. Um, red lips. Uh, yeah, it's uh, young. What's her name? Uh, Something young. Whatever. So you yeah. know, in her scenes, they're just so like such sleepers. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like AI. You remember AI? Yes. Right? I really liked AI. It had that lonely quality that I liked, and it it had so many things that also reminded me of Blade Runner. Yeah. While not being Definitely. a sleeper. Yeah, you know, I had problems with AI. A lot first of people of all, did. First of all, it didn't need the six endings that it had. <laughs> well, maybe not. It ended like six times. But it's because the time was moving on, marching on. Yes. You know, but yeah. I just love the teddy bear who's like, yeah, don't should, drop should, me. I'll, that's a movie I'll break. I, that's a movie I should watch again. I have it on uh, DVD. Yeah, I should watch it again. The uh, and so I know that we were talking going to talk about this later, but it seems apropos to talk about the Expanse. Yes, yeah. is that it's very much like these other, you know, it has elements of Blade Runner, it has yeah. elements of uh, AI and yeah. films like this. Yeah. Except, while I find, uh, I, you're just a couple in from on season one. And, yeah, maybe four or five episodes in. And right. I found it a little difficult to follow. Okay. It's a little, I'm, I'm on track now. Yeah. But, you know, watch, picking it up halfway through the second season, trying to skim and see, okay, like... Right. What's really going? And it's a pretty small story. Yep, it's a mystery. Again, There's just like, so many like players Blade, in it. Like Blade Runner. Well, the Thomas Jane party is almost like a Blade Runner. He's like a noir. He's like uh, Sam Spade with his hat. He's even yeah. wearing a fedora, right? So oh, it yeah. kind of brings back that feeling of a gumshoe. Uh, only, and, it, and this is the part I liked about Blade Runner too. He's a Chandler, you know, kind of gumshoe like Humphrey Bogart. Only he's in this weird science fiction world, and I like juxtapositions yeah. like that and run with that. And they're doing the same thing, in, at least in that part of the expanse. 
He's like a gumshoe hunting down this mystery, and he's got twists and turns, and people's allegiances change, and who he thought was a friend is actually not, and stuff like that. There's a lot of twists like that, like the Maltese right. Falcon, right? Yeah, and it's and yeah. and it, it, you know, that carries on. But the one thing that that show really has going for it, besides a fairly complex again a uh, you know mythology yep you know because it's just yeah there's a, the world is very different yeah there's the un the belters and the earthers yeah earth is a un i guess and well, then the belters and then mars right yeah yeah and then this mystery and then other elements yeah, right mystery thick guys cuz you figure even if you moved out just within a couple of planets you know in the real world there's lots of people could hide and do things you know under cover of right. you know, darkness right but it's the casting is the actors are really good for the most part. Yeah. There's a couple that are you know, yeah, maybe are out of their league, but for the most part, it's and it's filmed here. I think. Yeah. There's a few shots where uh, you see one of the women is a diplomat. Yeah. And she. Um, yeah. There's, there's scenes. I don't know if it's in the first season or if it's the beginning of the second, but you see her at uh, New City Hall here okay. here in Toronto. Oh right. You know, but right. up a, up on a level that we don't go right. to. Right. It seemed to me like they're walking along, they're walking along uh, a concourse, and there's this window, and it looks to me like it's the uh, convention center. You know, the back end. Of Maybe the UN is even inside. Right. Roy Thomas Hall. Roy Thompson, Thompson Hall. Thompson yeah. Hall. Yeah, that's interesting. One thing I found really interesting about the expanse is uh, the effects are pretty good. The space stuff is is uh, acceptable, but what's what they really do is they put all their money into uh, one thing you always notice is, especially with Thomas Jane. Is he's walking around and he's got this crazy cell phone that's like um like, like a sheet of plastic. It's like a sheet of plastic and stuff comes out. The graphics come out off the edge of it and look at it. like I like it that they they put a lot of their money into making this thing uh in modern right uh, futuristic because it's a object that we all use right now mm-hmm. right we use we all use a cell phone we can all identify with it so he's got this crazy souped up uh, cell phone that. Uh, and they can flip the they flip uh, their money. Yeah, yeah. They flip the money, and they can flip. He's go. He wants to show somebody something. He just flips it off his phone onto the TV, right? Yeah. And it's just that's where you really should put your money in. You can make you know uh, serviceable ships flying you know past Jupiter and space stations and stuff like that. But making something that's so ubiquitous, we all identify with a cell phone, and they've got these super futuristic cell phones. It just brings us into that world well that's what black right. mirror does did yeah. a lot all the yeah, way through exactly. that you know there's constantly the phone which is you could have just your regular house because our house is <laughs> my house is not going to change <laughs> exactly you know? it's four walls and a it's door already 100 and... years old 100 years from now it'll probably look more or less the same yeah unless there's a 40 foot or 40 story condo there right exactly. but uh you know yeah cell phones are something that we're constantly getting the new one right right compare the phone we have now to the phone we had just five years ago Right, like yeah. I think my Sony Ericsson flip phone. Because I don't know how many years ago that was now. But yeah. it's still like <laughs> these are the things that are ever changing. But yeah. I will say about their effects on the expanse is that the ships and the way the ships move. I think you'll become more impressed. Yeah, it's very much like two thousand and one. Yeah, right? they kind of cruise in, and there's not a lot of, and their arms come out and grab it. No, and, and the ships it. don't have like they're not airplanes. Right. You know, they don't have a top and bottom the way right. we usually identify. It, they're they're more like rockets. Yeah. And l- later you'll see elements where the way they just 
take the gravity because they have these gravity boots yeah. when they need to move around, but yeah. then they also have like a internal gravity. Yeah. So then when they're going to move around in a crazy way or they're going to dock, they turn the gravity off. Right. So they're either strapped in and cause the ship goes in these crazy things. Yeah. Kind of cartwheels. Yeah. And, yeah. And so it's, it's uh, it to the appearance of space travel reminds yeah. me it, it was as, as groundbreaking as like uh, Firefly and right. Battlestar Galactica and how cool the ships were and how right. there's no, we don't need noise and you're not going to have fire and you're not going right. to have all this stuff. Right. Right. It, it's really neat. The wire work they do when they go weightless, right. They float yeah, it's around. Really well done. It seems like it would be real. It's not like I'm floating in a harness. So this is where I like, you know, I think that they used all of their effects. I think that they've got some pretty top notch effects, but they don't kill, knock us over the head with it. Right. You know, it's like, right. no, this is not, this is about people. Yeah. Not about spaceships. That's true. I get it, yes. I'm a dancer, Gamora is not. You just need to find a woman who is pathetic, like you. Thanks, buddy. Do you need a hug? No, no, I do not. Oh, I thought I said no. You're welcome. Um. So anyway, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Now, I'll start off and I'll say that, you know, I really, really wanted to like it. Uh, the trailers really had me sold that it was a really good film. And I went in just thinking this was going to be a real enjoyable, fun, great movie. And then... It fucking was. <laughs> it was fantastic. Holy smokes. I think, like I told you, I think it might be the best film I've seen in about 10 years. Well, I don't know if I'd say that. Right. But it was a pretty great film, except for all that death. Yeah. That I had to keep putting my hand over your face so that you didn't cry or be, you know, have issues. Yeah. I eventually just put the popcorn container over my head. <laughs> popcorn bag. They don't have containers anymore. They just have bags. That's right. Well, I always heard about that joke where you put a dick through the, pop- the popcorn box. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, pretty great Is movie. that your move? That's your go-to move <laughs> That's in the right. theater, right? I, what movie was that in? Probably Porky's. Porky's. Yeah. Maybe Porky's. <laughs> Porky's. Oh, uh, what yeah. Canada has given the world. The original uh, American Pie. That's right. Porky's. Um. Yeah, it was really, really good. I'm just going to say off top here that uh, there will be spoilers. We're not going to be dancing around plot points. Yeah, it was so good. It was, um, you know, it was had everything. It was witty. It was really uh, charismatic. It was fun. You could just tell the people were had a ball making it. There was and, great uh, action, great yeah. comedy, yeah. and so much sentimentality. Yeah, a lot of heart. That it really had know, a lot of heart. That wasn't cheesy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was really well calibrated as a film, but it also had a kind of a quality where it was a little out of control. You know what I mean? Like some of the jokes were really weird. <laughs> like I'm thinking of, uh, there's a race of golden people. I guess they're called the Sovereign. And there's one scene where she's meeting with somebody. I think she's meeting with uh, with uh, Sly Stallone, who pl- who's playing, I guess he's the head of the Revenant. Or the Ravagers? Sorry, Ravagers. Ravagers, yeah. I've been playing Weren't too much. The Krylorians? What's that? Oh. The Krylorians, the gold people. Really? I thought they were called the Sovereign. I don't she know. was the Sovereign. Oh, the Krylor- oh Krylorians. Okay. All right, okay. And uh, so she's coming out to meet her, and she's walking really weird, and it's because they've got a, uh, there's two people with a carpet, and they're just rolling it in front of her, <laughs> and she's like taking little steps, like not to, not to catch up to it. And then they run out of the carpet. Yeah, and she's got to stop. <laughs> and luckily she's, you know, a couple feet away from the person she's going to. But the stuff like that, where it's weird jokes, and it's like, 
it's a little out of control. It's like, wow, that's a, f- a weird kind of joke to make. It kind of reminded me of um, Ant-Man. Just in the, just that it's another film that is a little bit out of control. It's going outside of the box, right? And yeah. As far as Marvel movies are concerned. There's a little meandering in, yeah. in, the, in, the, in the path. Yeah. So that it's not all like, okay, well, they're going to start here and they're going to end there. Right. One of the things that came up was that the film starts in the middle of something. Right. It doesn't start yeah. at a, yeah. hey, and I had this discussion with somebody about it. Was yeah. that, you know, no, they weren't just sitting around, woke up, had a shower, and they said, oh, tonight we're going to go up to the gold people and do this thing with their batteries, right? Right. No, it's like they're right there. They're talking yeah. about it. Um, the only thing is you don't really know why they're doing what they're doing. But I, but again, it doesn't matter because <laughs> yeah. it's truly a day in the life, right? Like right. you're just coming in, and that's not the story, right? Right. It's funny, you know, because it seems unrelated to the story of the movie, yep. but at the same time, it yeah. is the linchpin sets, of the entire film. Yeah, it sets everything up, you know, like them dancing, because that's the theme. And it's it's funny because it carries on from the end of the first film where he has his, he has a dance off. There's always he's got his Walkman and he's listened to his awesome tapes that his mom made for him and there's mm-hmm. that's the theme that's a theme that runs through the first one and at the end he has a dance off with the bad guy and then dancing continues and this one is kind of a theme right yeah like uh, um, Drax is saying to uh, saying that Gamora isn't a dancer it kind of and how he gives a story about his wife and, yeah and how she wasn't even tapping her foot <laughs> <laughs> you know and I knew and it was love at first sight <laughs> you know. I gotta say, uh, I gotta say, it's a character piece, right? It's a char- character-driven story, but uh, Dave Bautista runs off with the movie. As far as I'm concerned, he, he really is, is so good. He is most of the laughs, yeah, in a way that <laughs> you know, he really, he really is like one after another. The, the they they've introduced a character Mantis yeah. in in this film. Yeah. And yeah. Mantis is, a, they've changed her a little bit. In the comic book, she always referred to herself as this one. Mm. So it would be like, this one wants a sandwich. This one needs another Foster's right. giant keg can. She's kind of like uh, Starfire from... Um, yeah, very much so. Yeah, And and there's probably more similarities to Star... Like, it's almost like Starfire may have come out first. Yep. I know that there was a, a first incarnation in DC, and then they created the one that we know from uh, Teen Titans. Yep. She's nothing like the original Starfire. Okay. But I don't know I don't know which one came first, but they're very similar. Like I think that Moon Dragon probably came out or not Moon Dragon, uh, Mantis, Mantis came out yeah. and then the new Starfire was kind of taken from her. Okay. There's a sort of Asian character, little antennae, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. But uh the the dynamic between her and Drax in this film it's is amazing. so great because she's so uh, naive and innocent, yeah. and he is such a brash ass. Yeah. And but but he doesn't even realize it. So it's like he's so naive as well. Yeah. And it was it was reminiscent of the monsters where um, the 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 niece Lily's niece who's yeah. considered the plain one or the ugly ugly yeah you know it's they're always making like. They're trying to be nice to her, and like, it's like, oh, you know, she's. I so, feel so sorry for her. Yeah, and so Drax treats Mantis like this through this yeah. film, where he is, yeah. you're just so horribly yeah, ugly, repulsive. <laughs> you know, you know, he says like, he, he likes a girl with more meat on his on her bones, and she's yeah. so horrible to look at. Yeah. Yeah. Even you know, and again, there's there's one of the the 
the spoiler. You got to see the movie and then listen to this. You're a fool if you listen to this first. <laughs> but you know, you're a fool. And Dale, Dale in Tampa. Yeah. I know that you wait a long time for to, to listen to these things. <laughs> Don't listen to it yet. But uh, you know, the uh, <laughs> at the end, he's like, you know, yeah, she's she's looking out over the landscape. She's like, it's beautiful. And he leans over and he goes, <laughs> and you are too. On the inside. <laughs> Just when you think he's going to finally give her something. No. You think that there's going to be a love connection at That's some point. That's one thing I love this too about this film is it's uncompromising. The characters are uncompromised. <laughs> yeah, there's right? no. Yeah. They don't. They change. They evolve. Like uh, Batista in the first one was just, like you said, a naive kind of babe in the woods, even though he's just giant, you know, the body of a giant wrestler, which he is. Yeah. But he, there's an arc. You know they change a little bit, but they don't. It's they don't compromise. You know how fucking hard that is oh. to have a character, characters like this, very broadly drawn, and you give them an arc, and they don't compromise what they are, what makes them what they That's are. Right. Right. Just because Mantis is in this film yeah. doesn't mean she has to be a love interest. Yeah, she's played great too. She's a Canadian actress who is plays she? Mantis. Yeah. Oh. And she plays the character really well. She's a big accent, heavy she's, accent though. Yeah, she approaches the character really strangely. She's got a weird uh, speech pattern, and well, I saw an interview. She actually talks fairly similar. Really, speaks to the mantis like you're like you're high. She yeah. sounds like she's high, right? But we're, we're, it's really funny when they first meet, and she's sitting there, and she looks over at uh, Drax, and she's like. Got this rictus of a smile. She's trying to smile at him. <laughs> yeah. He's like, "What are you doing?" And she's like, "I understand that uh, humans uh, feel better when someone smiles at them." <laughs> and he's, he's like, like, "Not, not like, like that." It's <laughs> not. What you're, not you know, I, great. I will say that another great scene with those two was that yeah. uh, when she touches him and she can feel emotions. Yeah. And, and, and it's too bad they they blew their load in the trailer for that whole. That whole scene. Oh, not even that one. I mean the one where they're actually at the uh, on the on on the planet. Okay. And they're sitting on the steps. Oh, right. That's where he's telling about his wife and yeah, daughter, and, right? and he's yeah. telling the story. Uh, and it's sort of like I found it one of the most sort of poignant um, scenes in the film where she touches him and she starts to cry. Yeah. And he's and not. He, yeah. He's got no really expression at all. And it's you like, you you know what he's carrying. Right now, the character in the comic book and in the story arc—not uh, the original Drax, but like the the, the updated version, yeah. the one that we see in the film—he, you know, his family was killed, his wife and children were murdered by Thanos, and he yep. his whole mission was to kill Thanos, right? right. As we saw in the first film. Yep. So you you know you have this tortured person who carries this. He has all this strength, and he has this you know he he can be distracted by whatever's happening around him. Yep. But you see this cr- this incredible burden he carries, and she immediately yeah. has like she shows the emotions that he never That's does. That's a great yeah. You're right. That's such a great scene. Yeah. And he it takes a lot of acting because she's got a she's playing kind of a flake, and then she's got a expresses great emotion and then he is just he's got nothing because yeah. he's got no expression because he's transferring <laughs> it to her it's really interesting that's yeah. oh i didn't notice that i don't think when we were watching it it's funny because the other night we we started watching tropic thunder okay, <laughs> okay. and and there's the scene where ben stiller has blown his hands off okay and he's in there with, have you seen it no i haven't <laughs> okay i'm sorry <laughs> Point. He goes. He goes to catch a grenade or something, and he blows his hands off. And so Robert Downey Jr. is this 
Like it's all about the film is all the it's about the making a movie yeah. and all the characters are famous for something, right? Yep. The black guy's a famous rap singer, Ben Stiller is a famous action star, yep. and Robert Downey Jr. is a famous method actor right. who dyes his skin black to play a black man. Right. Right. And so but he's a great actor, right? And so isn't he a isn't he a white man? Posing as, as a, a black, black guy? he has himself surgically yeah. so he's, tinted. Yeah, so he's really he's Robert Downey Jr., a white guy playing a character who's a white guy who's dyed himself black. Black, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> he's that dedicated to his yeah. craft, yeah. right? Ben Stiller's like a <laughs> Stallone action guy, right? right? And so there's a scene where they're having this intimate moment as on the battlefield, yep. as one is dying, and and Robert Downey Jr., who's this great actor, is crying and he's. <laughs> He's got snot coming out of his nose and the whole bit. Yeah. And because of it, Ben Stiller can't cry. He's like, he's totally thrown off his game. And it made me think of that scene between. Yeah. One thing I noticed, like, I, I think I mentioned this previously, was uh, they do an amazing job with color in this film. And one thing that they do, they create a variety of races of aliens in the film just by merely you know, making people a certain color. Right. Because nobody on Earth ever did that. Yeah, exactly. But there's like red people and there's gold people and there's green people and there's blue people. And it's just a very economical way. Like the race of golden people, they're just normal humans with straight uh, blonde hair and they're all tinted gold. It's just such a simple way of making a whole race of people. You don't need everybody with a uh, prosthetic on their face or crazy wig or whatever, right? It's just gold people. Yep, they don't need horns. They don't need yeah. a tail. They just exactly. Yep, this. and then there's that, and there's orange people and green people and blue people, and it's neat. Well, even was... biologically, yeah. If I dare to bring in science, yep. the you know the fact is, is different oxygen levels and different things in the atmosphere could create these different colors too. It's like we have yeah. a blue sky, but it's based on all the science of Earth. But I thought it was good, and they the color in general, they really use it well. It's amazing, and you know the um. One thing about the Guardians of the Galaxy movies is, you know, I'm always walking into a theater, uh, into a movie that's 3D. I'm thinking, oh, it'll be shitty 3D. But they always do a great job with 3D in those films. You notice that? Well, I find that I just stop thinking about it. And, yeah. And that's, that's how good important. it is. Yeah, that's right. yeah, that's how good it is. I just remember the scene where, uh, spoilers, again, where uh, Yondu dies and they... Um, they uh, <laughs> Nobody turned the channel fast enough on that one. They uh sending him out. And they, I guess they burn him or whatever, and it's his ashes are coming out of the back of the ship, and just the ashes on the screen. It was a great 3D effect. Yeah, I the um, I like that scene too. The, the because while he's going out, people are just the guardians. Everybody, they're just back to business as usual. They right. didn't sit there like looking at the casket and at the glass, and it's not like the, it's not like uh, Wrath of Khan <laughs> where they're p- putting Spock out. Is that start? He was. <laughs> Did you mention Star Trek? Again? Out of all the people I've met, all the souls I've met, his was the most human. <laughs> it's like really. I thought that was a good scene. Yeah, I guess. Don't be dissing the end of uh, the Wrath of Khan. It makes me cry every time. I'm crying now. I think there's dust in this room, Chad. I got something in my eye. I got something in my eye. It's my pen. <laughs> you all, you always were and always will be my friend. <laughs> now, speaking of that sentimentality, it's the, speaking of Yondu. Yep. Uh, Yondu. Who is another great, like, everybody, <clears throat> one thing that was amazing in this film to me is that everybody had an arc. Like, what is it, a two-hour film? You've got the this 
uh, ensemble cast, everybody had an arc. Unlike the Avengers movie. So yeah. in the Avengers movie, you don't get into any of that. Yeah, there's always somebody. There's a concentration on, you know, usually it's Cap and Iron Man. Right? Yeah, having some sort of bullshit. You know, the closest thing to, you know, a, a, a Guardians-like feel is when they're yeah. trying to... Sorry, I'm going to push my mic away here. You keep going. When they're 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 uh, trying to lift Thor's hammer. Yeah. You know, and that's the only scene I can think of in that's all like, of the Avengers movies yeah. that that's sticks a with me. That's a Guardians of a Galaxy scene. Yeah. Right? And so in Guardians, like you're saying, there's all of these story arcs. There's all this these these elements that highlight different characters without getting so deep that it's a distraction. Right. But it shows that they're they're truly individuals living a real life, like right. a real three dimensional, three hundred sixty degree life. Right. And the with Yondu and Rocket, yeah. You know, you get to see these these two connect. Yep. And he's giving him a hard time, right? Call him rat. He always calls him rat. Yeah, he calls him rat. He calls everybody by some sort of name yeah. that's, you know, is not nice. Yeah. Um, kind of emasculating them while taking the high road. Yeah. Uh <laughs> but it's you know, he calls him rat. And then while Rocket has is kind of on the um uh uh what do you call it when you you, you hurt yourself. It's a masochist. Kind of not so much a masochist, but not, not like physically hurt, but like he's he's constantly like um sabotaging yeah. his own happiness. Right. Right. And yeah. uh Yandu truly un understands and calls him out on it. Right. You know, and it's like you know, you and I are the same because yeah, you're me. That's right. We we, we had the same I have the same shit. I carry the same shit you do. Mm. You know, but you got to let people in, you yeah. know, otherwise you're going to live a miserable life yeah. like I have. And what's funny is they have some of them have multiple arcs like there's the what they say, keep saying is the unspoken, you know, Sam and Diane relationship between Peter and uh, Gamora. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this there's this uh, unrequited love between them. But then Gamora has uh, has an arc with her sister, uh, Nebula. Yeah. Which is really interesting, right? And uh, you've got, we've already mentioned Mantis and uh, Drax. Like, everybody's got an arc. And Peter and his father, right? Everyone's got an arc. It's it's fully fleshed, logical in its progression. And everybody gets it. Everybody has at least one moment in this film. It's doesn't feel bloated, doesn't feel forced. It's amazing. Even Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell had his moments, even yeah. in this, where yeah. it wasn't that, like, other films where... You know, even Red Skull in the first Cap movie, yep. he's like a major character, but yet he's he never really has his great moment. Mm. You know, he he never has like they never take a breath and say, "Hey, yeah. let's have the Red Skull is gonna you know we're gonna see something about him that we yeah. didn't." You know, they showed in flashbacks and yeah. crazy moving scenes. It's not good. Yeah. There's a scene where he uh, has the the. Nazi guys show up and they're like keeping an eye on him and they're like, "How's this project going?" And he ends up shooting them. They say, "Hi Hitler," and he goes, "Yeah, hail Hydra." Well, it's funny because in the comic book, that scene between Yondu and Rocket, yep, is taken from uh, in the original story of uh, Star Lord. Yep, the story is is that his father is in the comic. Your father, your father, Chad. I hey. am your father. <laughs> Is is a guy named Jason. 
J apostrophe we're, S-O-N. We're legally ob- obligated to do a walking imitation every episode. So J- J- Jason crack he he's the story is is that Jason is yeah. is this monarch of this planet and he uh crash lands he's at war with the Badoon okay. crash lands on the planet Earth gets you know while he's fixing his ship he meets Meredith who is Peter Quill's mom yep and she's living she's like this beautiful woman living alone in a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere okay. like all beautiful women that's what they do <laughs> Um, yeah, and so yeah. then, so they hook up, and over the, the the x amount of time that it takes to repair his ship, yep. you know, they really fall in love, and everything is amazing. Right. Jason leaves to continue his fight against the Badoon, and right. to go. Lead they don't his, really cover any of this in the film. No, well, it's his father's story. been replaced by Kurt Russell. It's a whole new story. Like so a, ego, the living planet, was, was never it? his father. Oh, interesting. Jason was okay, and so um, which is weird that they changed it because. The whole, you know, the the monarchy of that whole bloodline would give them so much material, mm. you know, and maybe they thought maybe it was too much material. Right. So he leaves not knowing that she's pregnant. And so the kid is born and raised and, you know, fatherless. Yeah, fatherless. And when yep. he's about eight years old, um, the Badoon come looking for to kill off Jason's last blood relative. You know, kill his bloodline. Right. So in the first in in the in the first film, they kill her off with cancer. Okay. But in the comic, she dies. Uh, you know, she's killed on her front lawn by the Badoon. Right. And the little boy Peter defends her with a shotgun and ultimately finds his dad's gun, which is programmed to only shoot in his hands. But he's the bloodline, and he gets to shoot it too. Okay. And then he ends up in a uh, um, an orphanage. Lives up, lives till he's a little bit older. Yep. Becomes a NASA astronaut. Gets okay. stranded in space. Where Yondu finds him. There's a bit of a gap there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just goes on and on and on. Yeah. Yondu and the scavenger, the Ravagers, mm-hmm. uh, save him. And uh, you know, I don't even understand exactly, but they have any, anyway a fight, um, and he pisses everybody off. And Yondu says, look, you have two choices. Either we can kill you or uh, you can, you know, be ejected. No, we'll either kill you or something else. I don't know. Yep. And, he's, and he says, Kill you or some other option. So, yeah. I'll take the other option. <laughs> I can't remember what I... <laughs> I'll take door number two. Something else. Monty. And so Peter Quill, Star-Lord, yep. uh, has this thing with Yondu and says, listen, don't kill me. Don't send me home. Uh let me stay with you. Right. I want to stay with you and learn the ways of space travel and live my life out here. You and I, and he gives this big, ex, this big thing about you and I are alike. We're right. both orphans. We're right. both this. So the, the dialogue right. between Rocket and Yondu right. was in the comic book between Star-Lord and Yondu. Okay, interesting. So they pulled out that, that one. Yeah, well, this, it makes sense to, t- you know, Peter is, he's Chris Pratt, so he just, um, he's going to get lots of time, so they, just took that chunk, give it to Rocket and Yondu, and that gives them their moment. Yeah, because Rocket right. doesn't have a backstory. Yeah, but he he he's got quite a uh, arc in this tale because, like you said, he's looking at the, he's realizing that idea that he's an asshole that's just sabotaging every relationship. Right? Yeah, and he starts, you know, he starts to realize that he's trying to come to grips with that. Yeah, 
And again, he's not compromised. He's a dick. Well, and and he's <laughs> you know again, where he stays who he is. He's still very efficient, and we yeah. see how he takes out all those ravagers. Uh, but you know he he's also doing this now from the comfort of this uh, this communal group. Yeah, you know, like he's not alone. He's not yep. you know uh, what are you a shill? Is that the the term or the 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 con man or whatever? Right. You know, heisting something with right. Groot like he was uh, in the right. beginning, right? Yeah. Like he's actually got yeah. a home. They're just trying to steal the gem in the first one, right? That's where you're that's introduced. Right. He knows that's worth a lot of money. And again, his character is co- complete. He was a policeman. He was a space cop. In the, really? Is their origin? His original Shit. appearance. <laughs> and what was cool in this that's film was funny. that you see Rocket with a rocket. Yeah, he's flying, flying around, around, which is what he did in the his original in his uh, Hulk two seventy one. He was this space cop, rocket raccoon, and rocket he had a little jetpack. Fell back in his room. I won't sing anymore. But uh, talking about Yondu, he's an he's to me he's the other guy that had this great. He's kind of a standout character the way they dealt with him in this film because it's amazing. It's amazing, like I was mentioning before, where they're not compromised. It's amazing they could take Yondu, who in the first one is just this evil uh, son of a bitch, evil son of a bitch Ravenger, played by uh, Michael Rooker, and they give him this, give him an arc where it comes to he's being the father figure of Peter, and he's still not compromised. He's still him, in in, right. in his own way. He's his fought. He's Peter's surrogate father in his own way and it it's acceptable well the story didn't change yeah you know in that uncompromising way where rooker explains what what he was thinking and his motivations and they conflicted with what peter thought was the reality right but it still didn't change what actually happened yeah so he can say well you said you were going to eat me (laughs) he was like i was only kidding and i know i remember things like that from my childhood that i took so seriously that maybe the adults around me didn't right right and they just said it to you yeah they said it to me and they thought it was funny and i was like oh my god like it's this thing you obsess with and it shapes you as a person to a certain extent exactly you're gonna fire off a foster's right good eye mate good day put another shrimp on the bobby right oh speaking of shrimps they're gonna make a tattoo movie right hervé verliches or whatever his name is are you serious they they finally got the green light (laughs) who's playing uh tattoo uh it's Vern Troyer. Sure, it's like. Is know. this a Chad? No, no, it's a serious fact serious. or no, a real totally, fact? totally. Is it real news or Chad news? It's real news. It's real, bona fide. You know, the actors is not going to be an exceptional looking person. They're going to be very plain. Shit. There's plain. a tattoo movie. So is it going to be Fantasy Island? Is there a Mister uh, Rourke? Well, I'm sure that, but they're going to. It's about him though. It's not. It's going to be a biography. Oh, it's a biopic. Yeah, yeah. Of her villages. I can't say it right. I've never been able to say that. No. That's so funny. Tattoo. Tattoo's enough. He played, uh, yeah, it's quite a life. I remember him in uh, The Man with the Golden Gun. Right. He was the sidekick. The little one? He's the little, <laughs> little, little guy. He's kind of pegged. <laughs> Peg! <laughs> He's pegged into a certain role. For those of you at home who are playing along, right. peg is the secret word. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking about Yondu, fuck! I think my favorite part of the film is uh, uh, P- 
Peter and Yondu are falling from this, they're coming down from this explosion and uh, Yondu's uh, coming down, holding on his arrow and he's floating down. Yeah, yeah, it's good. And, uh, and Peter Quill starts laughing. He says, uh, <laughs> you look like Mary Poppins. And uh, Yondu's like, is he cool? And uh, Peter's like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, he's cool. He goes, I'm Mary Poppins, <laughs> yo. <laughs> It was good. That was classic. You know, the, I will say, like, you know, about speaking of Yondu and and yep. his ultimate death. Ooh. Even though he dies as a hero, yep. and he saves the day, yep. it's getting a bit much that somebody always has to die. Yeah, that death means that I don't like this movie. Okay, is is awesome and amazing. Really as put it your was. foot down. That's the lo- red line you can't cross. Oh well, they killed somebody. Therefore, yeah, it's the it's whole terrible. Everything goes out the window. Yeah, there's no That's redeeming right. feature now. Nope. All the stuff you've just said that you feel is really makes some film really cool. Just but you have to say you didn't like it. Well, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> it's it's not that I have to. It's that I just do. Yeah. It doesn't have to have an explanation. <clears throat> now, you just uh, mentioned Yondu's death. And I thought that was a really good example of how this film is so finely calibrated. Everything is set up really well. Because, you know, when it comes to a character dying, in a science fiction film, it, it it's it's come to not mean much. No. Because some character will die and there's some magic thing you can shoot him with. I'm thinking about in Star Trek where... Uh, in into into darkness, uh, they took the blood of uh, Khan, and it was able to bring uh, was it Kirk back to life or Spock? I can't remember. <clears throat> There's always some uh, uh, machine. What do you call it? Deus ex machina that will you know you can do to bring someone back to life. A death is never a death in science fiction. No, or in comic books. But they set this up really well in Guardians of the Galaxy because they show like. They have a scene where um, uh, someone's taking over the uh, Ravagers and they're airlocking all the guys they don't like and they put him in the airlock and they let him go and he floats out and he dies and you see the whole string of bodies floating out that are all dead. So they've shown, at least in this film, if you get airlocked, that's it, you're going to die, right? And then they have the scene with Yondu where he saves Peter and he ends up uh, in space and that, that... well, they set it and up, and that makes too. it power. They set it up. It makes it powerful because you know it's been shown earlier in the film that this is a death that's going to mean something, and then yeah. Yondu sacrifices himself. Well, so you have the first part of the setup, which is what you're saying about the airlock. Yeah, and then you have the second part, which is Rocket saying, you know, he they now are kindred spirits, and Rocket now sees him as a as a true ally and friend. Yep, uh, you know, completely, uh, Yondu has been redeemed. You know, entirely, and and most importantly, in Rocket's eyes, right? Right. And so, who is like all the time he's been a masochist, like you said. Yeah. Uh, he's been sabotaging everything, but here he's he's invested. And now he's like, I don't want you to die, Yondu, but all I've got is I got one costume that'll protect you from space, and I got one jetpack, right? right? And right. so that's all you've got, right? Yeah. And, and so there's a scarcity there, and we know he's staying behind to save Star Lord. Yeah, and it's like, okay, so what's he gonna do? Is he gonna do the wrong thing? Is he gonna do the right thing? Right. But we now understand that he's the good guy. He yeah. is a good guy, and they've done it a great way, not compromising, not what bullshit. All of a sudden, Yondu's fucking a good guy. Yeah, they it's all done brilliantly. 
Well, right. you know, and these characters like Yondu, Star-Lord, even Kurt Russell's character, they're all very Han Solo-ish, right? They're all, you know, they're good guys doing bad things. Yep. And um, I think that, so when when he saves Star-Lord and yep. he, you know, he uses the jetpack and carries Star-Lord while Star-Lord gets to be protected from space. Yep. In that bubble wrap. His, die is, his, his death is very, you know, heroic. But... This is also the thing that I don't like about the film is because we're at the point now where they just keep killing off major characters because that's what you do, yep. right? You said to me in a conversation earlier about Game of Thrones, right. it's like that's you the know, Game of Thrones nobody's effect. safe. Yeah, you know, this is Joss Whedon apropos. You know, like oh, Joss Whedon loves to kill off major characters, and now he feels obligated to kill off fucking Quicksilver. Joss Whedon, you can suck it. Yep, there you go. But it's like the, <laughs> you know, Yondu dying. I almost feel that it would have served the story better if he had lived. Okay. You know, like I know that that would have ended up putting a position. Putting you're, a, you're in a you're walking a tightrope here because you were fine with all the deaths in uh, Rogue One. Oh no, I like death, but I think that it's almost like killing off a major character mm. is is becoming the cliche. Right. Right. So if if it would have been almost better where you everything was set up. The airlock, the only one jetpack, one oxygen mask yep. thing. Now we know, and now he's crystallizing, and the ice is forming on him, and he's 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 gone. They did it in the first film, yeah. right? Yeah, they did. Yeah, where yeah, had we to. had the same scene in the first film. That's again, that's a good reason why they had to really set this up, this death, because they got out of it in the first one. That's right, and mm. and maybe it would have been a bad thing to get out of it the second time around, but right. it, I really again hoped that he you know and that's as a viewer you hope that he doesn't die yeah right carrying the story i guess the more i'm, I'm talking it out it's sort of like <laughs> yeah well, what would like, they have done with him for the third movie yeah and it's a father figure right they built this whole thing up that he's the surrogate father he's the real he in his own weird way he cared for peter more than ego did yeah right well then, he definitely did yeah and then he's got a sacrifice what would they have done with him in, in the in the next film? Like, yeah. would he have been a guardian of the galaxy? No, they couldn't have done that. He can't go back to the Ravagers. Yeah, if you go another go another movie where he's just a good guy, then you're really you have con- compromised the character. Yeah. So okay, so I'll take it back. Movie. He had to die. But the one thing, okay, so here's my new thing I didn't like about the film. All right, is the teeth, the prosthetic teeth. They should have just CGI'd that. For who? For all of them, especially Yondu. Because all the people with the with the, the the fake teeth, yeah, they all talk like this because they got a fake teeth in their mouth, <laughs> you know. And I, I, right. they should just if they're gonna have all this crazy sharp angled teeth like Yondu has, like just CGI right. it, you know. Right. You CGI everything else, right? Just put a they could wear a guard that's green, yeah, and they could just draw, and then they could in. talk normally, right? Yeah, but they it all sound like they've got marbles in their mouth. That's funny. Um. I really loved the fact that they brought out the big, the big uh, Finn, the big Mohawk. Yeah, like in you the, said the original that character. We're watching that. that. I don't know what you're talking about. It's going to be the big one. I'm yeah, like, right. well, because the character in the original never had a short thing. That's a invention of the film. Right. He had this giant fin down his head. Well, you can see why, for an actor, it'd be disconcerting to have this big fucking center of gravity thing on the top of your head would kind of fuck you up, right? Yeah. So that's why I they guess. put a smooth one on there so Rooker could do his scenes well i guess realistically having a a big thing on its head 
would have more just of a been, target. Yeah, well, you'd be yeah harder to navigate if you're a warrior who's doing bad things. Like, yeah, because you know. she shoots a uh, nebula, shoots it off of him. The the small one, she manages to shoot it, which is kind of a weird scene. Why she a bullet wouldn't go right through his head instead of just taking out the fin? Because it shot right, ac- skimmed at the <laughs> top, right? Fun, it's such a funny scene uh, where. Uh, they're uh, it's rocket and yandu are in a cage they're in jail right and uh uh, uh yandu wants to get his fin it's been damaged so he wants to get the new fin so groot is walking by and they're like hey groot go into this room and in the drawer you'll find my prototype fin can you go get it for me <laughs> and then he just keeps coming back with <laughs> shit things. that's different things that isn't that right and they're finally he comes in and he's he's got a toe he's got a severed toe he's like <laughs> rocket's like okay tell me you've got a freezer here with uh, severed human toes and yandu's like nope nope okay we're just not going to talk about that this, anymore where did this one come from where the hell did this one come from do you notice uh it's bradley cooper as the voice of rocket yeah do you notice he's doing like kind of a jason alexander you know george costanza yeah maybe it's like Duckman from uh, remember those animated shows with Jason Alexander Duckman. No. I, I remember. I think I know of it existing. Yeah, he's doing. It sounds like Jason Alexander. He's like Costanza. Yeah, I guess it's like how do you go right? It's like in, in the Star Wars comic, there's a uh, that Marvel did in the seventies. They didn't have the storyline of where what like empire so they had to fill in blanks from star wars on yep. and they had this giant green rabbit and they gave him the same kind of you know he talks like bugs bunny and he has like even the way that the, the dialogue is written you know that that's the the dialect that he's he's speaking in right um you know but with rocket it kind of it totally works it just he's a raccoon why wouldn't he have a shitty new york kind of accent right <laughs> and, yeah. why does he sound he would sound like george costanza the uh the guy there who ultimately helps groot finally get the fin is uh sean gunn yeah he was good he's the brother of the director oh right james right. Gunn. james gunn's brother james gunn that's interesting he was okay and he also plays uh and this is just a little piece of trivia yeah, uh, he's he plays the on-screen, or sorry, on-set rocket. So I guess oh. he's the physicality, right? Of rocket. That's weird though, because rocket would be short. <clears throat> if you want eye lines for rocket, you'd be looking down. Yeah, but I guess maybe maybe he crouches, or oh. maybe they just you know they've got the sensor thing, so they're dealing with somebody who's. Or maybe it's like look height. at his knee, look at his kneecaps. Yeah. <laughs> so and he's the also the on-set rocket for. Uh, uh, Infinity War as well, so right. he's in it. He's good. He's. I thought he was the guy from from American Horror Story, but it's not him. Yeah. He acted good. He looks like a doofus. He's a country doofus, right? Yeah, it's like a inbred kind of strange looking dude. But uh, it's funny. A lot of the the things that we're pointing out about this film are really around Yondu. Yeah, like I think that a lot of the meat in the story, again, you know, like Star Wars, where they kill off Han Solo. It's a lot of the story is about him, mm. right? The, mm. the son Ben and all this, but yeah, and and this is sort of like that. Yondu is kind of the 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 important storyline in this, yeah, right? Because well, it's all the, about fathers. Yeah, the flashy things. thing is that it's going to be ego. Ego shows up. You know, everyone's like Kurt Russell. It's so great to see him. Right? And he's mm-hmm. looking. You know, his hair, big hair, and he's 
ego and they have this all these scenes and that's gonna, seems like it's going to be the thrust of it but the real heart of that story is that uh, yondu is really his surrogate father yeah and that's right? that's everything that's, that's, that's the payoff that's the motivation from star lord is that he wants a dad and yeah. ultimately he gets it's always one, there you know he was always there that's right yeah, that's interesting um it's funny we were talking earlier i was talking earlier about the film kind of in some ways kind of felt out of control because like uh they had that they had the joke with the they were leading the carp the 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 sovereign or whatever you uh, this the leader of that yeah, race yeah, that you yeah. said they're they're rolling the carpet out in front of, they're rolling the carpet out for it's weird little jokes like that that's the kind of thing i was looking for when i watched dr strange yeah, and there was almost none of them. Yeah, does that that make sense? Yeah, like yeah. I wanted weird weird stuff. Yeah. Like that. Like the right? closest thing in Doctor Strange was the the personality of the of the cloak. Yeah. That that's you the know? only thing I really yeah. remember is the cloak, that scene. Uh, that is the kind of out of control like weird, like we're going way off the reservation kind of joke and it works. Mm-hmm. It's and, and the other part is that it's got to work. But I didn't see it. You know, Guardian of the Galaxy is full of it. The Drax and and Mantis, such a weird, well, such about, a weird relationship. I wanted weird things like that in Doctor Strange. That I just I had a feeling that that's what I really wanted to verbalize when we did our episode on Doctor Strange. Is that's what I was looking for. Well, the Krylorians no with with their uh, their video game <laughs> things. Yeah. It's like yeah. that is one of those things. It's so sort of like. It's so bizarre, yeah. and we identify yeah. with Earth because it's, they're playing a video game. Yeah, but it's it's absurd because they use '80s video game sound effects. Yeah, pew 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 pew. <laughs> which you I said guess that. is their thing right now, right? Well, well, you said while we were watching it that this it's like a big video game. The whole movie is like a big video. Oh yeah, game. it's so and set up. The for b- a, brilliance, like, the brilliance of Guardians of the Galaxy is usually that's a negative. But it usually here, it is. Usually like Spider-Man is it's terrible. A, it's oh, a fucking video game. It looks like a video game. It's a you know I'm I myself am a huge gamer, so I, I take offense to when people. I think Ross did that a couple of times. It's like he compared stuff to video games. I'm like, you know, I love video games, and video games is a great art form that can really reach uh, and do great things. But uh, here it's it is like a video game, but in the best possible way. It takes the best aspects of video games. It was right? more like you could look at this and say, I can see exactly how this is going to become a video game. Right. <clears throat> because it's like there's, you know, they get to the planet, there's the orbs, that's asteroids. You know, they're going to go over here, and the, the, the ship's fighting, that's, you know, I don't know, Galaga. It's, it's, it's like one after another. And when it becomes a video game, it's going to make perfect sense yeah. to be a video game that doesn't diminish the film. And the film isn't, we're not distracted by the video game quality of it. Right. Whereas when you watch Spider-Man and you see it, oh, look at the little CGI guy going on his web. It looks like a video game. Right. Not that it is a video game, you know? And it's right. kind of like, that's stupid looking. Right. right. But here they really, you know, they, they take the fun. Yeah. They take the fun aspect of video games and really run with it. Yeah. Make it their own, right? It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess you know Marvel's on this '80s video game kick, right? All these, yeah. you know, the like Wolf Thor, Thor Rag. Rag. Yeah, yeah. It looks like a marquee from a '80s video game. That weird font. That's right. Well, yeah. At the end of Guardians, as they run through the credits, they have like again, it's very '80s. You know, it reminds me of the end of Greece. 
yeah. you know, with the <laughs> the pictures, yeah. yeah, the grainy uh, Kodak, you know, old Kodak film pictures, right? Or it's like Team Beat. It's like uh, pictures from Team Beat. Uh, Taser face was pretty funny. Today. That was a pretty <laughs> ongoing <laughs> joke with Taser. But I have to say that's the other thing I didn't like about the film was yeah. that while the Taser face jokes were hilarious, Taser face himself, the effects, the makeup was terrible. Yeah. It totally looked like a rubber mask. Yeah. It reminded me of War from Star Trek Next Generation. Right. That's right. I just yeah. did a Star Wars Star, Star Trek reference. That's right. Although you said Star Wars first. Star, so you get star, you, you penalize yourself. Trike. Star, eh, tr- foul. Trike. Foul. I'm calling foul on that. You're right, though. It's funny. I kind of thought the same thing. I was like, is that Michael Dorn? <laughs> it's like, yeah. and it looks like a big rubber head. You know, it just, it, it, yeah. it was bad makeup. Maybe, maybe that's part of the point because they're just making fun of him. Yeah, right? maybe. I just, you know, I don't know. I think you're reaching for stuff, Chad. I think it's pretty you're bad. Reaching, it was very, to, I found it you're distracting. Drama. Yeah. But uh, Taserface, but but it was made up with, with all the humor, right? Yeah. I, yeah. All I kept thinking is like, who is Taserface? Because maybe it's somebody, you know, famous, and we're just having a laugh. Yeah. Having a laugh. Yeah. Exactly. Speaking of famous people, there's a ton of them in this film. Like whom? Uh, like, um, let's see. Let me look at my list here. So. We have like first of all, there's the the old Guardians of the Galaxy are in this film, right? Right, and so from the comics, from the comics, they have almost everybody. Uh, Stallone. So that who's missing is um, uh, Major Vance Astro. So the original team was set in the 31st century, yep, uh, and it was led by Major Vance Astro, and he was this uh, 20th century guy who was put into a suit. And he li- lived for centuries, but if he ever was exposed, if he ever took the suit off and was exposed to the air, he would turn to dust. Okay. Right? And so even in one of the comics, they kind of, uh, he was getting like, there's a hot girl and he was getting like aroused. Okay. And it was, they kind of alluded in a comic book way to say that he couldn't pull his pee pee out because he would turn to dust. Right? Okay. So he had to like, I'm going to go to the other room. <laughs> Uh, all I kept thinking is like, well, how how does it eat? Right. Is the mouth hole not open? Like, yeah. anyway, but that's it was a bad comic. It really was a bad comic. But the original Guardians of the Galaxy, the original one. So he was their leader. He's not. He doesn't. He's not shown in this film. No Vance Astro. No. But of the other ones, you have, um, you have uh, Major. Uh, sorry, sorry, Martin X, Martin X, Tanaga. Okay. And he's this crystal guy from the planet Pluto. Right, I remember that crystal guy. And so the crystal guy, we see him a couple of times. And do you know who plays him? No. Michael Rosenbaum, who played Lex Luthor in Smallville. Oh, and, interesting. And out of all the Comic-Cons I've gone, to, I've gone to, he's one of those guys who's just great at a Comic-Con. Okay. He doesn't charge you 60 bucks for an autograph. Not that I ever got his autograph, but he sits there and anybody, everything, it's all free. He's just happy to be there. Generally, right. like, a, you know... It's like I don't need this gig to pay my bills. Right. Uh, so he played Martin X, the Crystal Guy. Right. Uh, Stallone played uh, Stakar Ogard, who was also called Starhawk. Mm-hmm. And in the original team, there was him and his wife. She they were they were uh, I wouldn't say second generation, but not of the original four. Yep. 
Uh, Michelle Yeoh played Alita Ogard, his wife. So she's in the film too. Right. It was Ving Rhames yeah. who played uh, yeah. Charlie 27. I remember him. And Charlie 27 was, uh, he was from Jupiter? No, he's from, yeah, he's from Jupiter. Yeah. Okay. Then you have Yondu, who was the noble savage from uh, Centauri 4. We know him. He was one of the original. Right. So, and then, um, then the other special appearance was so there was a character in the, that was from the 31st century um, Guardians of the Galaxy called Mainframe, and it was a computer okay. with a face, mm-hmm. and it appeared in this film, but I don't remember seeing it. Wow, you remember a computer talking? Not really. So somewhere in the film is a computer talking. Yep, and it's Miley Cyrus. She has a great voice, Miley Cyrus. She has a great <laughs> speaking voice and a great singing yeah. voice. But uh, <laughs> that's that, hilarious. She's in it, and wow. it, you know it's a good it thing was... Ross isn't here because he would be throwing things across the room right now. Miley Cyrus is a whore. It was uh, <laughs> star-studded. There's a lot of uh, some great lines like, um, "You shouldn't have killed my mom and squished my Walkman." <laughs> that was a good one. Funny thing I remember you and I were laughing at was I don't know if anybody else in the audience laughed, but um so Peter is getting to know his dad, Ego, and uh they're on the planet and they like yeah, Ego's like, you know, uh, make a you can just will a piece of the planet into your hands, right? So he does so and he's got a piece and he puts it into a ball. And then they're like <laughs> the throwing, they're throwing they're playing catch. <laughs> Because I think he With says a piece earlier. of the planet, so they're having a father-son moment by the throwing this piece of a planet. And all I can think is that this is, you know, ego is totally setting him up. Because earlier right. he refers to saying he never had that. Yeah. Earlier, you know, I never, never I had, never a, had dad a dad to play dad catch. Play catch yeah. 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 Exactly. I thought that was pretty funny. That's a funny visual. Um, you know, I had to really reach for uh for negatives, but one of them might be that I think five. End credit sequences is probably too many. Yeah, well, I think that nobody knows what to do anymore, right? Like, you know, you you throw it at the end, and like they've been throwing it at the end since like I think Starsky and Hutch with Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson. I think they had a an end credit thing, and a few films were doing it way back, you know, back in the nineties. Yep. But I think now it's like everybody expects it, so then they do it. You know, one minute into the credits, and they throw a little thing like they did with Thanos. Yeah. You know, but it's like maybe they should just stop it. You know. Yeah. Maybe they should just have a, a, a an epilogue. And well, I enjoy it. I enjoy that, but five, I think, is too many. It's a little bit too much. There's a lot to cover. A lot, a lot of Marvel shits coming up. Like you already did your Stan Lee cameo. Why do another one? Right. <laughs> they did it again. But it was cute to see them dancing. No, I I I I, pre- I like that. That's just part yeah. of the credits. Yeah. It's not interrupt it and here's a sequence, right? I can't say that, you know, like I say I'm reaching for shit. Yeah, that's reaching. But uh, still it was a little bit too much. <coughs> you no. were going to you were going to say something about uh <coughs> coughing uncontrollably. Well, I was going to say that uh I found that they really desexualized Rocket. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm had it. <laughs> I'm out of here. You Fuck know, it, I'm, I'm gone. They they had him as a raccoon, but really they could have had him as a badger. Nerd stalking he, over. He he could have been a ferret, you know? Yeah. Like his. What well, was a funny line uh, 
He calls him a raccoon. He goes, I'm not a raccoon. He goes, yeah, you're right. I went too far. I meant trash panda. <laughs> trash panda, yes. So many of those great little lines. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. you know, it's funny that Star-Lord, who we haven't talked about at all, he, um, yeah. he Drax is this big guy, right? Yep. But Star-Lord is just as big as him. Really? You know, so many of the scenes you see, though, like, because Star-Lord always wears that big coat. Mm. You know, I'm not crazy about the coat. That's another thing I don't like. And Drax is just pants and a bare chest. That's right. So, but at one point when you see Star-Lord with, like, either, I think he might be shirtless in one scene, but he's wearing, like, a tight fitting shirt. Oh, I remember that. They're standing side by side, and they're just, he's just as big. He was gigantic, Chris (laughs) Pratt, in that scene. I remember that, where he had his shirt off. It's funny, the content, but the coat makes him look smaller. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's funny. Um, but the, uh, you know, what is great and awesome about this franchise is that by moving into the Marvel sort of uh, space genre, yeah, you know, where with Cap and the Avengers and, you know, any of these sort of earthbound Black Panther that's coming up and Ant-Man that we've seen. Yeah. We all have, like, especially comic book people, right? We, we have this ad- attachment to these characters and when you fuck with it, we get upset. Yeah. You know, why Joss Whedon should suck it, because he should have never killed Quicksilver. Right. And he's ruined the Avengers franchise for me. I didn't really like either one of those films. And the more time that goes by, the less interested I am in them. Right. In these films, we've seen Howard the Duck now twice. Yeah. You know? We were going to talk about that. Well, the only thing I was going to say about Howard the Duck was that he was notoriously a cigar smoker. Right, but in this film he held a He's drinking martini. A martini, so alcohol's okay. So our alcohol's okay, but cigars no good yeah. anymore, right? Um, <laughs> and so then the big the big giveaway at the end of this film is uh, when the Krylorians. I hope I'm saying I hope they are the Krylorians. That's what I think they are because I think that when I look them up, that's who they. Well, I'm they sure were. our uh, viewers will. Um, right, our listeners will lots of smearing things will complain, but. Uh, so when um, Aisha, yep, when Aisha, who is one of these Krylorians, who is now shamed because she is perfect, she is a perfect human being, yep. has failed. Yep. Um, when she's about to get the heave ho from her own people, she says, "Listen, hold on, I've got this. I got something else cooking," which you know moves the timeline pretty quickly that she's already on it. Right. But you see this giant cocoon. So that cocoon is warlock. So okay. Warlock was a character, and clearly they're going to use him. They they actually the, people said that there was a Warlock cocoon in um, the first Guardians film, in the right. collector's stuff. Right, right. And um, I really like Warlock as a character. He's kind of kooky. He started off in Fantastic Four. They called him him, hmm. and uh, then eventually Jim Starlin again, who did a lot of the woohoo. Uh, kooky stuff in the 70s yeah uh some of the best writing that that marvel had though uh he had him change to warlock and uh so warlock was in an alternate reality in an alternate world and the high evolutionary finds him and embeds in his forehead the soul gem and the soul gem is one of the infinity stones okay Gives him that he's even more superhuman being, uh, superhuman powers. Right. And he's very Jesus like. Wow. So he saves the day with these animal human hybrids on this other planet. Yep. And the high evolutionary, I think, gets him out of that world and brings him into our world. 
and uh, he ends up on planet Earth and in our current time, and he's like, right. these four hippie types are like, yeah, man, <laughs> you're so fucking radical. And the girl's like, what's your name? And he's like, Warlock. What's your first name? It's like, it's like War? Last name Lock? No. He's just Warlock. <laughs> and she goes, well, you need a first name. You're going to be called Adam. So now he's Adam Warlock. Right. And Adam <laughs> Warlock is like, you know, he's he's basically very godlike. He has yeah. incredible powers. He has this soul gem. He can do all kinds of crazy shit. Right. And so it's interesting to bring him in because Thanos is going to need that gem from his forehead. It's also alluded that Vision's gem is say. also another one, right? Yeah. But I don't yeah. know if they're going to use that one because as I was doing some reading, it's like the, the gems are kind of accounted for. And mm. the vision connection might not uh, fly. Right. right. But uh, yeah, so Aisha, the gold woman, yep. is actually originally called her. And she was the female counterpart to Warlock. Right. And, um, and then she went by a few other names. Hmm. But. Um, uh, and that is the rest of the story. Yeah. So anyway, Warlock is going to be awesome. Yeah. Can't wait to see that character come to light. The other great thing about Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Volume 2, of course, is the soundtrack, which is awesome. I was listening to the awesome mix all day today, getting ready for this podcast. Yeah. Just great, great music. It's funny because we were talking about 2001. We were talking about The Expanse. But 2001 kind of did an interesting thing where all the space travel and the spaceships floating around going to stations and stuff like that, it was all accompanied by Strauss, right? It was all waltzes. It was all Strauss waltzes. And in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, it's all, you know, 70s and 80s pop tunes. That's the soundtrack you hear when, you know, they're flying through space. It's kind of neat. It's interesting. It's a modern interpretation of that. Well, it's it's a case where the soundtrack becomes another character in the film. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it paints a very specific, and that's what soundtracks do. But then you watch someone like Suicide Squad use (laughs) the soundtrack, and it was just like, okay, great, they're fucking great songs, but this movie isn't using them right. Yeah, I have that on my notes. That's I was going to say is Suicide Squad tried the same thing and they (laughs) fucking failed miserably. Because we all were like, what do you think we're stupid? Well, yeah, exactly. You mentioned that when we were talking about our Suicide Squad episode is that, you know, here's the song that's going to make you feel the, this way about the scene. Here's how you should feel about the scene. Yeah. It's what I right? didn't like about... It's Rock uh, Lobster. Watchmen was that the use of the music in Watchmen was, you know, having... A, the acting should guide your emotions, you know? Music yeah. ha- helps that. It's a punch. You know, like you can have punch, the... Right? like. In Star Wars, the swells and you know yeah, the, it's the, epic. It's a sweep, epic sweep. Yeah, there's a, a battle between good and evil in a galaxy. But right? when Luke is standing on a sand dune, looking at the future that he is so uncertain yeah. that he's going to have, you he's standing you, there under the t- twin suns of that's Tatooine, right. and you're like, you feel for him, you because you remember what it was like to be young. And I, when I yeah. saw it, I was younger than him, but it was sort of like the first time. But it's sort of like. It was the acting and the filmmaking that right. made that scene emotional. It's that view, a kid looking off 
into the future, right? Yeah. Looking in the the hundred yard stare, looking off into the future. That's right. And you hear, it's understated, right? Yeah. And but it's it the music helps us. Yeah. It doesn't replace it. Right. And Suicide Squad tried to replace it. They said, you know. We got nothing here, but yeah. we're, it's a crazy, wacky film. So here's, uh, here's sympathy for the devil. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, like in Watchmen, that <laughs> there was a like the Watchmen comic was a great comic. I have to watch that film that you're mentioning. It. I have Watchmen. I have the DVD. I should re-watch you haven't it. watched it. Or you? I have. Seen I've seen it before. Yeah, I have to watch it again. So the comic. Did you ever read it? Oh yeah. Okay, so the comic Fantastic. was great, right? And yeah, but I reading it while it was uh, violence and and uh, allegorical yeah i'd never found it bleak yeah. it's back to my thing i really about bleak right yeah is that i f- and i found that the film was bleak it's very pe- it's pessimistic see i, I subscribe to the pandora it is box, a mis- it is a mystery right? though it's more of a mystery right rorschach's trying to un uh, is trying to unravel this mystery he's again He's another Sam Spade gumshoe. Yep, same hat. With the trench coat and the hat, just like Thomas Jane in uh, The Expanse. That's right. Right. So I just think that <laughs> a lot of the, the the character development was just too steeped in bleakness. Yeah. You know, and like, you know, I subscribe to the Pandora's box. Well, it's know? doing the opposite of Superman. It's It's undercutting, it's deconstructing the superhero mythos, right? That's what Watchmen is doing. Yeah. Right. But I found so that there was, there was all never that. any There's hope. no Superman in a heroic pose. It's all the seedy underside and the shit, you know. The, and they get old and die. Yeah. It's all the shit they really would have to deal with if they were vigilantes. Yeah. But, you know, and they touch on things like rape and all these things. are yeah. These are heavy and they're, yeah. they're you know, they're, yeah. they're uh, foreboding. Yeah. But it's sort of, it's like they don't have any hope. Like they don't believe that there's anything good, anything. Anymore. Well, there's night owl. Yeah. He's, I guess who's trying he's to keep, he's trying to keep shit together. Right? Maybe even Rorschach is more optimistic. He is actually, but right? I find, <laughs> I found that. The know, comedian is the comedian is the masochist. Cynic. Yeah. He's a cynic. Yeah. Like I find that, you know, but the music, which is why I bring it up is that, I hated their choice of music all the way through it. It was just like, stop telling me what to feel. Right. Like, you know, your filmmaking is clearly below par. Right. Like, you don't have you're enough tr- balls to make to a pump, real movie. You're trying to pump it up. Yeah. And so, like, it, what really killed me was uh, uh, Hallelujah. Mm. And I, I can't remember whose version it is. I don't know if it's, it's not um, Leonard Cohen's. It's, um, who's the guy who died there, whatever his name is. Anyway, there's a couple of versions that are very similar. Yep. They happen simultaneously, and no one knows which one came first. But the fact is, is that the the lovemaking scene with Hallelujah fucking grossed me out. Mm. It was just kind of like, really? Do you think we're that stupid? Like, really? Get it. I would get it. They're godlike. You know, it was yeah. just, I was just, you know, I hated that movie soundtrack. Yeah. You know, we didn't mention Gamora once. I mentioned Gamora and her sister. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, that was her arc. Sister, oh, all she really sister gets problems, Le- a lesbian Lefty. thing there. I think it was going on. <laughs> Blue meets uh, whatever she, color she was. She's multicolored, I guess. Nebula. <laughs> I think girls look hot green. Actually, one thing I wanted to say about Nebula was um, uh, she's 
uh, part robot. She's like an android, I guess, kind of. And well, she's, they keep fix changing pieces. <laughs> yeah, and she's Cyborg. got and she's got that thing over her eye, and it made her look like Seven of Nine from Voyager. Kinda, yeah, and it's funny. Yeah, I saw, did you see those little video uh, diaries that they do on uh, for all the characters? I don't think so. They're pretty like I go to superhero hype. Yeah. Dot com. That's my source. Yeah, I think I've pulled a few things off of that for the Twitter feed for Nerdsacking. And they have like little video things where they had like uh the actresses who played Nebula and Mantis together. Yep. Talking, which is funny because uh, she's Scottish Nebula. Oh, okay. She's like this pretty redhead Scottish. She had girl. a funny delivery. Yeah. Like a fake yeah. trying really hard to sound American. That's right. So she's yeah. Scottish, so she's got that. And yeah. Mantis, though, you say she's Canadian. Canadian, yeah. But she has a heavy Chinese accent. Yeah, she's Asian, I think. Um, okay, half Asian. And then, but the the Batista one is hilarious because he's like, you know, I don't think he's talking about how funny I am, but they just tell me what to say. Yeah, I think you said <laughs> you know, that. It's like, oh, I think you, I think you put, you posted that. Yeah. It's so yeah. funny. All he does is read the script. Yeah. <laughs> he does a great job. Maybe he does like twenty-five takes. Yeah, who knows? Until they or get maybe a naturalistic. Just one. <laughs> one thing I read about for uh, Drax is when they did the makeup on him in the first movie, it took four hours, but they got it down to such a fine art. In this one, it only took about half an hour to apply well, it to it. And Nebula too, like she had to, she shaved her head for the first film, and she didn't have. Yeah, to that's for this true. One. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I read that too. They had a. I posted, I think, on the nerd stocking. Uh, our feed is a time-lapse a video of Batista getting the stuff applied to him. And it was right. pretty amazing. And they put the stuff on him. They paint, his, they paint him that color, like that blue. It's kind of a green. a metal, gunmetal blue or something. And then they, uh, tat, they apply the tats on him because he's got the red raised stuff on his skin. Like a ritual scarring. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I think that probably uh, wraps it up for tonight. I'd like to thank Chad for uh, participating. I'd like to thank you, Bill. For what? For participating. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you want to let us know what you thought of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, if you thought it was a pile of shit, then you can go hang yourself. Hey, why don't you let us know who your favorite character is? You can go hang yourself with a belt like Michael Hutchins. <laughs> <laughs> blow your load. <laughs> so the... Uh... <laughs> You know, my son, who's seven years old, yeah. is constantly asking me, who's your favorite Guardian of the Galaxy? Okay. So I'm putting that to you, people. That's a good question. And you, Dale and Tampa? That's a good question. There's a lot of great Who's picks. your favorite Guardian of the or, Galaxy? Uh, or, um... Uh, <laughs> is it Martin X? Is it Martin Charlie X. 27? <laughs> so if you want to let us know what you think, you can uh, get us through email. It's uh, nerds at nerdstocking.com. Can reach us through Twitter as it's uh, nerd stocking nerd pod. stocking pod and uh, and on Instagram at nerd stocking and that's true and you can Facebook you can search us for uh, nerd stocking if you go to Facebook and is that it oh, yeah. oh no if you're listening to this podcast on Podomatic yep we're also available on iTunes so tell your friends and that's if true. you're listening to this on iTunes we're also available on Podomatic that's right. That's right. And uh, our website is nerdstocking.com, and all that stuff is listed there, so you can find us there. And you can also listen to the podcast there, too. Yeah. Or you could just, you know, if you're in Toronto, just uh, 
put your head out your window and you'll hear us talk. <laughs> screaming hear screaming at trees. You'll hear nerds <laughs> talking. And uh, so that's about it. Good night. I am Groot. <laughs>